You're listening to XOXO After Darkcast, in which three editors talk romance novels, sex, pop culture, relationships, writing. And did we mention sex? Yeah! From the ladies behind XOXOAfterDark.com, because the best conversations happen after dark. Hi, welcome back to another episode of the XOXO After Dark cast. I'm Abby. I'm here with my lovely and gracious co-hosts, Kate and Lauren. Hello. Hello. And we are here talking about erotica and romantica, just in time for the Romantic Times convention, which is going on this week. Yay! (laughs) The only reason that sounds lackluster is because it's in Atlanta and it's hot. Wait, you both are going, right? Yes. 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 So we're time traveling right now. Exactly. (laughs) We're ruining the magic because we're both here and there. Uh, Lauren and I will be at RT and any of you who are eager first day up listeners of the podcast and happen to be there, uh, come on by and say hi. We are one of the sponsors at the Rockabilly Street Fair Party on on Wednesday oh night, my. Wednesday the third of May, um, come on by and we are giving away a uh, tons of swag, bleep, bleep ton of books, exactly. <laughs> and there are carnival games, so we'll have like a ring toss. And if you are attending the conference, we are uh, going to be presenting all sorts of good stuff from XOXO and Gallery and Pocket at our spotlight on Friday morning. And would love to see you. If you're a listener, come up and say hey. And Lauren and I will probably just do cartwheels with joy. Exactly. I was like, <laughs> to meet you a will listening be hugged human. and kissed and be scared. It's all very consensual. <laughs> it's mostly consensual. <laughs> and if you are not going to find yourself in Atlanta this week, uh, you can have almost the same exciting experience by coming to XOXOAfterDark.com because May is our relaunch month. Yay! Woo! We're so excited. Um, we think you'll notice that our site got a little facelift. It looks gorgeous. I'm very excited. Uh, so poke around and see all the fun stuff we have. When was the last time we did a redesign? It was like three years ago four years ago four years ago it's our four yes. year anniversary it's our fourth birthday that's like that's a 400 years in internet it years. is in internet speak we were an old crone and now we have blossomed anew <laughs> we are we like we had our face lifted we're like a real housewife after a vaginal rejuvenation gross oh, I love it <laughs> come on it's a rock day <laughs> it's perfect <laughs> um, we have sweeps running all month where you could win one of four great prize packs of wonderful romances we have a bunch of amazing Gems from the Vault sales where we're having some um, classic books from authors that we know you love each one available for only $1.99 so cha-ching cha-ching get mm-hmm. those while you can because it's really short time uh, we have a wonderful extra big mega free reads this month usually we give you three four maybe five a month this month 14 full length books all available for free reading uh, but only for the month of May so you gotta get in there and read quick stay up a little late read a couple <laughs> extra ones plus of course all the amazing content that we try to bring you every single day alright I'm done with you my did plug it. yay yay oh and okay. our YouTube channel I forgot the YouTube channel XOXO recommends yay okay now I'm done <laughs> okay uh, so we are talking about Romantica today because we are having uh, pocket star author Thea DeSalle on um, she writes the sexy content. Uh, Her books are set in New Orleans. And uh, her second book, I believe, is it the second book that has the... Queen of Dauphine? uh, The uh, rather unusual... No, first one. First one. Okay, so the first one has what you might not have read before, which is a uh, Um, dominant... Female. Heroine and a submissive hero. Mm -hmm. And it works... 
beautifully. Yeah. I had a hand in, in working with this author initially, um, and I loved her writing. I loved the concept. I loved the book. I loved the setting. I loved everything about this book. And I, I, I literally w- got on the phone with her and said, I had to have you. Like, we have to have you. <laughs> that's what she that's, said. That's what oh, she gosh. said. Come on. She agreed because she entitled. is now at Pocket Star. Um, but no, it was really a fresh and different way to do this. And it was just very, very well done. And I, I can't wait for her to tell you more about it. Like, it was, it was, it's really great. Yeah, I'm excited to hear sort of what her inspiration was. Now, when you read Romantica, do you have a preference, like liking the flip the strip with the uh, woman as the dom or males dom? Do you have a strong preference? Oh, or you flip just the script. Flip the script. What I thought I you say? were saying flip the strip, and I was like, what is that? Is I'm that a type of bikini wax? <laughs> Unclear. It's not. It was just a typo. Servicey. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was gonna go more with. I'll go anywhere. It has to be a good writer. Like, yeah. you want to mm-hmm. bring me, and I know that's not a cliche, but I'm telling you, this woman has the chops. She's got the emotion. She had, she was funny, and she could have brought me anywhere, and I was like, I'm in, mm-hmm. uh, you know? Well, I, but as an editor, did you have any qualms about that? We talked about it, yeah. actually. Initially. Tell me about that discussion. How did that go? Um, I believe... And that's the kind of editor I am, that at the end of the day, it's their name on the book. Right. And You have to believe that to be an editor or else you're a monster. <laughs> exactly. Or you're a monster. Um, I just believed that it was her way or no way. And she convinced me mm-hmm. that this had to be done this way. And she was right. But I think what I'm alluding to is it is, quote, publishing wisdom mm-hmm. that in romantica erotica the male has to be the dom and it's pushing against that and and i think there are a series of these sorts of tropes where we have these rules of things that you're supposed to do yes and i guess to that point i've always been a bit of a rebel um i love a medieval they were poison i would buy one (laughs) because i wanted to you're not supposed to set um historicals anywhere other than Regency. I freaked out and went to South Africa and the Diamond Mines. (laughs) And then I went to Singapore. Um, I've been known, if the book is that good, Mm -hmm. to not give a shite. Mm -hmm. And that's what I did with this one. Yeah, because the writing was that good. Yeah, It is interesting, though, how you can kind of get in your own the industry can get in its own way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the joy of the rise of digital publishing and more transparency between publishers, editors, self-publishers, authors, is that we are able to find out that there are markets for things that we may not have considered before. Absolutely. Um, especially in E. And that's what this is. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And there's a lot of stuff out there that I don't think that we as traditional publishers would have known if not for the information gifted to us by self-published authors and the sensibility that the world is expanding, that that mm-hmm. the possibilities are more than they ever were before, I yeah. think. I think I was having a conversation with one of our male colleagues the other day, um, not about book content necessarily, mm-hmm. but just in general, because I was listening to a podcast where both the podcast host and the guest were talking about threesomes they had had. Mm-hmm. And... Um, 
they were like, oh, yeah, well, I did this. And it was a couple that I knew. Or, oh, yes, we, you know, my fiance and I decided to do this. And I suddenly was like, am I supposed to be having threesomes? Is this a thing that just everybody is doing this <laughs> oh, now? Oh, that's right, when you did that threesome book? Yeah. No, when she was no, listening to this just podcast. just recently. Oh, yeah. Like, I was like... I just I can't get no. I can't I, I could, like I can't even get my hair cut I can't be ready for a threesome what is it does it? seem logistically very difficult I know right but is it I mean it's so uh, it's it's funny because the explosion of um, information acceptance of alternative sexualities and just a mm-hmm. sexual uh, sexual a spectrum mm-hmm. of uh, sexual opportunities uh, it's wonderful that it's been accepted mm-hmm. but now I feel like the other side of the anxiety pressure. coin like I'm feeling a lot of pressure to like spice things up and I'm like but I'm so tired Hi, like, I don't I, think. no I'm good right. um, I will say many things about Fifty Shades but I will give them I will give that book credit for breaking open mm-hmm. the sexual I don't know red room if you will and <laughs> You know, I don't feel that pressure. It's all about your partner. And if they don't want it, you don't want it. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do it. You know, it is it's, interesting, though. It's almost like we have this culture of oversharing. Well, there is um, that. And I think it does heighten competitiveness. There's certainly it's almost like um, when you back in the day when people used to read Cosmo and it would be like 87 ways to blow his mind. I would read that and I would be like, what is most of this stuff? Like, is that is candle wax a thing? Right. Like, what is the ice cube? Like, right. is and ice most cubes guys a thing? are like, please don't is, put an ice cube on yeah, me. Yeah, don't put an ice cube in your mouth and then try to blow me. Like, that sounds terrible, actually. If you yeah, think about it doesn't it. sound anything. That's a real sex tip I read in a Cosmo oh, magazine yes. one time. Um, I think they've been using it since for a while. I was learning. But, but I know, it does, but Cosmo. Mm. Well, it does kind of. Uh, I think the joy of. Um, the romance genre is that is to cut through all that noise about what you should and should not be doing and what he expects or doesn't expect and it recenters female desire so to bring it back to Thea DeSalle um, she felt it was important to explore this aspect of this underexplored aspect of female sexuality which mm-hmm. is dominance yep. um, and I think that that's probably very resonant with a lot of readers because it's anything everything is a thing it, women are allowed to experience desire and and uh, fulfillment on a wide range of levels and that is the recapturing of this impulse toward uh, everything is possible you should do everything all this it hones it back down into what matters which is female sexuality and repositioning desire as female desire as worthwhile and and exploratory Mm-hmm. You know, in the era of girl boss, exactly. What, well, I was <laughs> just going to say this show. is a slight oh, yeah. tangent, but I just read the hugest piece in the Times about Mama Gina. Who's Mama Gina? I don't know who that is. Mama Gina was started very small on the Upper West Side, oh. and she was your inner goddess. I think I do. Know and who it's that is. all yeah. about female sexuality and empowerment. Wait, she's a business owner, like yes. a, a an instructor. She's like almost a, like, like a, a sex therapist. She's Yes, but not. No degrees, no nothing. That's also in this article. Mm -hmm. It literally talked about, she's almost a a life coach, self-motivator. Okay, but sexy. She's just a sexy, charismatic person. Uh, (laughs) She is all of those things. Um, She's actually like an older Jewish mother. Right, I feel like like fantastic. Like a Dr. Ruth. Mm -hmm. Not that old. But yes. Um, But yes, and she's so much about own this and I'm gesturing mm-hmm. downward for all of you <laughs> yes. um, 
uh, I haven't had a cocktail yet. I don't feel the need to say the P word. But, mm-hmm. you know, own that. Mm-hmm. Be powerful with it. You are your own goddess. Right. And it is all about take him and strap him up and do what you got to do. And it <laughs> is so... People spend like $5,000 to go to a lecture. You could do like ten grand for the weekend mm-hmm. and it's a retreat and you're breathing it and living it and loving it. I don't want to do it for a whole weekend. <laughs> I actually <laughs> literally almost bought the Kool-Aid if it was cheaper. Like, yeah. I feel like you really you do. You love reading about things, though, and bringing them into your world. <laughs> I do, too. And why wouldn't I? It, it was it, it made you feel good. Yeah. Well, I think, too, it's, to your co- point. it's counter. that. That's a good example of how much it costs, not only in time, but in money, to counteract the insidiousness of the squelching of female desire and, mm-hmm. the, and the secondary nature of it. I mean, look at... Puritanism. Look at mm. uh, dress codes. Look at um, <laughs> you know oh. any sort of this thing that that We're, tries to police mm-hmm. female desire and and bodies. Um, and I, again, I think that's the joy of of our industry. But it it does take a toll. Think about this. Think about what women could be doing if mm-hmm. we didn't spend so much time as you did, Abby, thinking: Should I be having threesomes? Right. Should I be getting a bikini, bikini wax? Will he be disappointed in my real world body as opposed to the yep. airbrushed pornography ladies? Between that and all the emotional labor we have to do, it's a wonder that anything ever gets anything done, ever gets done. Frankly. Oh my god! I know. I feel like we could come back on another time and have another episode about <laughs> outrage about emotional labor because. I still find that outrage very satisfying. Actually, we should do that. Yes. Yes. Note to self (laughs) in an upcoming episode. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But it is interesting, uh, this idea that even within such a pretty well-liberated female-centric space, that there could be a little hesitation against something against the norm. Yeah. I mean, well, it's hard to break out. And the romance itself is, of course, being policed externally so totally even in this space where writers and readers are brave enough to be like let me show you this show this show window this on world. a new angle and let mm-hmm. me share this with you and let me expose myself by writing this story or expose right. myself by reading this story right openly and in public and you have to stand there because the rest of the rest of media is mm-hmm. too big, but the uh, there is a lot of conventional wisdom out there that is denigrating the romance as right. form. I mean, it's right. uh, a version of what uh, Jennifer Weiner mm-hmm. says about yes. sort of Commercial female fiction, female fiction. Yeah. versus you know the stuff that gets rewarded mm-hmm. in the Times Book Review and in other reviews versus what people are reading. Exactly, and the whole bit where. I mean, I always go back to when I was doing my dissertation on mm-hmm. romance novels and people would ask me what I was writing on and I would say, oh, well, it's about how romance is mm-hmm. proto-feminist and not anti-feminist. Mm-hmm. And they would be like, oh my God, romance novels. That's so great that's so that cute. you do that. My guilty pleasure are mysteries. Yeah, I mean, no. I would never do that, but it's great that you are. And I'm right. like, yeah, no one's guilty about reading a mystery, right. first of all. Also, a lot of those mysteries probably contain sex plots that borrow from mm. romance. Yeah, also. Directly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I'm just like, yeah, sure, you're yeah. guilty, great, go back and do your thing. Um, so it continues to be difficult, and you continue, I think, to have to do... Let's, I'm going to say it here, right? That picking up a romance is an act of revolution. Right. Do it today. <laughs> sure. Let's Why see not if Thea buys into that. <laughs> <laughs> Viva la romance revolution. Let's take a, a little break and then and come I'll back and, and ask Thea to lead the charge. Fabulous. Fabulous. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. 
You're listening to XOXO After Darkcast. I was just about to say, we're back in the studio with our fabulous uh, pocket star author, Thea DeSalle, and her dog, Hildy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the real star here, let's be honest. Very well, loud star. That's okay. We, we'll, we'll like her chiming in every now and again. Um, but again, welcome back, Thea. And uh, into the studio, we're so happy to have you. And we're here to talk about your Nola Knight series. Um, Yay! Yes, uh, we started off the series with a book one, The King of Bourbon Street, mm-hmm. published back in February. And Queen of Dauphine comes out in just a few weeks, May 15th to be pre- precise. And then our final book that rounds out the trio is out in August and it's Lady of Royal Street. So why don't you tell us a little bit about this series, Thea? Um, well, I love New Orleans as a city. Um, for a long time there, it used to be my drunken spot of choice. Oh, <laughs> um, I, mine too. Well, I would, not joking, every spring I would gather up um, what I affectionately called the Bitch and Stitch Club. And <laughs> all of the girls would leave the boys at, hi- at home. And I love we would it. go down and we would spend about five days there because I don't think you can really survive a vacation in New Orleans for longer than five days. I'm shocked you made it five. I usually do like well, three. I, yeah, I can't. I mean, day, day five is usually just getting doing the walk of shame to the plane to get home. <laughs> that is true. That um, is true. You know, so we would go down there, and it was it's, it's this weird city that is this wonderful cultural hub um, where you've got yesterday, today, all mixed together, this fantastic French-Spanish architecture, and just there's so much going on, and mm-hmm. the city is so alive. So when I wanted to write romance, I was like, it's the most romantic place I can think of in the states. You know, um, it is, it is, and just because its its atmosphere is a character, mm-hmm. so it made it a pretty um, pretty good starting point for me. So I went from there, and then uh, you my Thea is actually an amalgam of people. It's me and one of my very very good friends, and. Uh, we came up with these characters. I wrote the book, and she kind of helped me. She made Saul. Uh, she invested Saul. Uh, I love it. <laughs> and um, it was basically like a Don Draper-esque version of David Bowie. And I was like, wow. okay, I'm in. You know, sign me up. I'm there. Um, but, you know, the attitude was really what she came up with. And I was like, well, what works well with that? And the story took off from there. Uh, so. But tell me, uh, to also tell the fans about the fabulous, ridiculously amazing family that really centers <laughs> this whole, this there's, little tree. There's two. It's kind of like this little competing dynasties where one is just bigger than the other. Um, so you get the Dumonts, who are hotel chain managers and moguls. Um, they've got like 15, I think. I, I wrote it and I can't tell you. It's either 12 or 15 chains, uh, hotel chains throughout the country. And, you know, they do well for themselves. And then there's the Barringtons who is Ariana slash Rain, the female protagonist of book one, her family. And basically we were like, so we're going to just write about the Halliburtons, but we're going to make them, you know, somebody else. (laughs) Please, it was like Dallas Dynasty and uh, Fifty Shades, but not really, uh, on crack. I loved it so much. Yeah, they're basically like, Dad's a big lobbyist. Um, There's six boys and one girl. She's the youngest and she's the only girl. Um, so there's all these big, beautiful brothers, and uh, so many to bend to play with. <laughs> I know, I know, right? It's fodder forever. 
Um, but basically, they're you know very. It's this. It's it's a modernized Kennedy type of situation where mm-hmm. they're all involved in big big business and big politics, and they're very front and center. And she's somewhat being um, from this family. She's always in the limelight. The problem is she doesn't exactly fit what the rest of the Barringtons are like. You know, they're all very polished and they're all very professional. And she's just kind of. She's just rain. Yeah. You know? And she's funny. She and is. She's hysterical. And she knows she doesn't fit in. And, you know, you know, we're all they're all tall and lithe and leggy. She's about five foot nothing and she's fat and she's you know, she's She's, I called her the shrinky-dinked Disney princess. Yes. It's like you took one and just stuck them in one of those trash compactors <laughs> and pushed down. And, and uh, you know, so it, it, it's like, so, you know, here she is looking at her big, beautiful, tall brothers, and she's got the blue eyes. She's, she's beautiful. She's hair, and she's gorgeous, and she's just little and round and, and ridiculous. And, um, and loves somebody, her corgi. Yeah, Freckles, fre- let's be honest, the book's really about Freckles. It really is. It's just an agency for Freckles to have his own series. <laughs> um, I have had so many readers that have come back and told me, I love the dog! Like, yeah, that's why we put him there. <laughs> yeah, that's why I gave him a girlfriend in book two, was because of fan feedback. There's Doodle, the other corgi. I was like, two. wait, the dog is a girlfriend? That's yes. Awesome. Yeah, well, I let's gave talk- the dog a girlfriend, because that's the type of person I am. Uh, well, that <laughs> makes you cool. Um, but that's that brings me to Queen of Dauphine. Um how would you say Dauphine is different from Bourbon? Um, well, my thing with, with my romance novels, Happily Ever After, Happily For Now, I always want there to be something beyond the romance that's really relatable on a human level. So book one, you have a guy that has admitted he is, you know, solid admits he's had affairs with men in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have a fat female protagonist lead. In book two, with Maddie, you have Saul's ex-wife, Mm-hmm. Um, and Maddie is that weird rich person that you read about. You know, the one who's like not let out of the house and has monkeys and stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> that weird rich person. <laughs> but like, she's also gorgeous. And she was my favorite character on my first read of Bourbon. I was like, I love her. You're like, don't worry, don't worry. It's but I had, to get, I had to get a couple of things right with her. And, and one of the things was, how do you grow up? With all that privilege, all that money, all that ridiculous flashiness, mm-hmm. be and turn out as eccentric as you are, and why? And, and mm. you know, what the book actually focuses on is, is interestingly enough, the book is about two anxiety patients falling for each other. <laughs> uh, dead serious. You have two PTSD victims who fall for each other. It's the reason why the girl that can recycle and, and cycle through people yeah. quickly actually connects with this big beautiful texan is because oh, so good they both have trauma mm-hmm. in their past and you know when he's going through his she relives a lot of her own but at the same time she can help him so she's got the world's most beautiful man in darren like it, it, it <laughs> he's <laughs> fantastically beautiful and he could have any woman in the world and you know maddie rousseau is is definitely on his echelon but at the same time the thing that actually connects them is is the things that they're combating, the monster mm-hmm. that they both have, which is anxiety and PTSD. Um, so the second book is a, a, a love story of two people who are struggling and and really end up leaning on each other to get through it. <clears throat> and um, that's that reality backbone that I really wanted with that particular romance was that angle, because I don't see as much anxiety and, and stuff out there in, in, you know, it's something I've struggled with, certainly. Um, so that I love was where I was for, going with it. I love you for saying that. Um, when we first, when we introed um, before you came on, I was raving about 
how good your writing is and and how strong your characters were and I just fell in love with you um your your book uh Kate was very much like well it's it's different it's daring and I'm like I've always been one to do the different thing and I just felt like your writing was so exceptional that you. and you're not afraid I'm to blushing go right now. <laughs> well, you should oh, uh, you should be um you are that good and I think my personal favorite are darker um weirder stories my favorite romance of all time is um the duke of shadows by laura kinzale and he had a stroke and she's a quaker so when you talk yeah. about two pts uh d victims falling in love i'm like bring it it's right up my alley so Book three is actually um what i just turned in which i think is out in august is yes, actually is. about how do you find the right person not be able to resist yourself and still be a faithful catholic Oh, so, uh, interesting. So it's the same thing. Everyone, I kind of have, you know, the love story is obviously the core. That's that's what mm-hmm. we all sign up for when we right. sign up for a romance novel. But there's always a backbone. I always have an agenda. I won't lie. And my <laughs> agenda for book three was, you know, what do you do when you have really strong faith and you meet the one and you can't help yourself? Like, right. what do you do and how do you reconcile that? Oh, my goodness. I can't wait. Revolution. And, uh, revolution. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um... Two two things I want to know. One, um, what are your favorite romances? And, uh, you know, now that I hear you and fall more in love with you every time I talk to you, I'm like, wait a minute. What do you what inspires you? What 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 made you want to write in this genre? So here's what's funny about this. I was an enormous romance reader for years, years. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why, but approximately five to ten years ago, I just stopped. Now, when I'm telling you I was enormous, I had like. The Julie Garwood, I grew up on this stuff. I mean, I was reading this stuff as a teenager, you know, Julie mm-hmm. Garwood, Joanna Lindsay. It was all the period stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, Jude Devereaux and Teresa Medeiros. Like, I was, I, I absorbed this stuff like a sponge. And I'm with you. I had, I ran out of shelf space. You know, my mother was like, what is this? It's very mm-hmm. pink in here. I'm like, they're book bindings. <laughs> um, but, like, she, I mean, we had a used, a used romance shop around the corner. So basically... That's what I did! Sorry. Period. I would go in there after school, after high school, and I would buy used romance novels for a dime or for a quarter or whatever, and I would just keep them all. I was It was like smog with his gold. It was terrible. Yeah. I love and it. I stopped reading them for a while. And when my, my agent, back in the day, she was like, hey, when do you want to write next? I'm like, I don't know. She said, hmm. well, have you ever read any romance? And I said, it's been a while. And she said, that might actually be a good thing. And I said, what do you mean? And she said, you know, if you read, it's that thing. If you read too much of a thing, you end up being derivative by, not on purpose. but No, like, but just by association. By association. So she's like, you got the backbone. She's like, you've read a zillion of them. And, you know, I could name off a million of them right on the spot. And they, but they were from a while ago. And she said, try a modern, try a modern romance and see how it feels. Tell me what you can come up with if you can do something modern day. And I said, I don't know, you know, because at the, at the time that I was writing this, Fifty Shades was just huge. Dying. I mean, it was huge. And the thing that was hysterical as, as a side, and this is why I put humor in all of my books. Like, mm-hmm. my books are funny. I'm trying to make you laugh. But mm-hmm. one of the things that you have to understand is we're having this conversation in Disney World. 
talking about <laughs> Fifty Shades of Grey in England, in Epcot, with 60 billion children about 12 inches away from us, trying to lower our voices and, like, do all the naughty words like this. I kind of love it. traumatize some six-year-old, because I'm like, well, exactly how much penis do you want me to put in this book? Exactly. <laughs> pineapple, so, pineapple. The code word yeah, is pineapple. Yeah. <laughs> it was the weirdest thing. And we're, like, having this conversation. There's Mickey Mouse everywhere. I'm like, what? this is the reality of my life. So the fact is, one of my favorites, uh, Teresa Medeiros was my favorite author, period. I would have read anything she put out, um, which is, it, it, was, it was her prose. Mm-hmm. Her descriptions were like these beautiful, vibrant things. But the reality is, as far as I've only now, now that I've written romance, started writing, mm-hmm. uh, started reading stuff, I just picked up, what did I just pick up that I really liked? Um, a book called Hold Me Down by Sarah Taylor Woods was fantastic. Oh, that's uh, good to know. I always like a good tip. Oh, it's a BDS That's what she novel, said. <laughs> unbelievable. I was like, okay. And I just picked up Rebecca Weatherspoon. Yes. We uh, familiar with she her. just released a new book the other day, so I've started that, and that's uh, tasty. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good word. It's a word. Well, um, and, you know, it's funny. I'm in Courtney Milan. Actually, Courtney Milan is another one whose prose is just like, oh, my God. Woman. Have you read Meredith Duran? Not yet. Oh, my gosh. You are getting the care package of your dreams, sister. Yeah, and like I said, it has nothing to do with not fandom. It was just... It's what you picked up. my career went, and I go in these phases. Like, I went through a phase where I read every epic fantasy for a while, and I haven't read an epic fantasy in four years now. I got you. So, you know, that's just how I am as a reader. Well, two tangents. I'm sending you the best care package of one of the best, best historical romance writers I've ever had the privilege to work with. Tip two, you must go to our huge EXO relaunch, which I know you will, um, and read uh, Abby. Kate had a hand in it. Abby and I, 100 romances you must read before you die. If you really are the reader I believe you to be, um, (laughs) you will recognize some names that you haven't heard in 30 years. Oh, wow. That's good because i mean like i said my my backbone was there i have a that's my backbone it's so funny and when i had to get rid of my keeper shelf because i was leaving florida to move to new york only the the best survived yeah Yeah. and it's like it's the hunger games of books it's absolutely tragic you're like i'm sorry you have to go if i couldn't remember their names i never remember the titles but if i couldn't remember the names of the hero and the heroine out they went yep two books enter one book leaves (laughs) yeah. <laughs> that list is actually going to be um, available May 2nd, by the way, for our listeners. Oh, you must go check it out. It is literally all of my favorites of all time. And I tried to keep it to one book per author because there are some books that you or some authors that you just love so many books. But I, I did the best you had to read before you died. Really. Cool. Uh, uh, yeah, it is really cool. Um feel like I'm getting broker and the longer you speak. Like. <laughs> yeah, you are. Well, I'll, I can re- lend you some keepers, but they must come back or I'll hunt you down. Um, I guess I was going to say, I think it's time to jump to our quick and dirty Bernard Pivot questions that we ask every one of our listeners, or okay. our uh, guests. It's for our listeners. But we're mixing it up this uh, this time. Um, I don't know if you've listened to our podcasts in the past, uh, Thea, but we have some pretty standard questions. But for our relaunch, our four-year anniversary uh, of XOXO, we are doing new questions. <laughs> so I Lay hope, it on me. And you know what? I might pepper in some of the old ones as well just to, to warm you up. But uh, <laughs> exactly. Here we go. Um, salty or sweet? Sweet. 
Uh, heels or flats? Flats. Mountain or beach? Inside. <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is acceptable. That is acceptable. We do like that answer. Um, what time of day do you prefer for working? For working? Uh, actually, late afternoon. Hmm. What place do you find the most conducive to working? The Hillary Cave. Ah, I like the <laughs> Hillary Cave. Um, what one... Well, no, that's not a good one. <laughs> How do you prepare yourself to be creative? What, do you have a ritual? No. Okay. I sit, down and, I sit down and I vomit words at a monitor and hope that something very interesting happens. I love it. How do you take your coffee? Uh, skim milk and one Splenda. Mm. <laughs> I gave up all the sugar a long time ago, even the Splenda. Um, what do you do most often? Oh, what do you do most often to procrastinate? <laughs> Internet forever. I have a Sephora problem. Oh, I have a, I know. Uh, yeah, we all do. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, what have you learned from failure? That it's temporary. Nice. That's a good lesson. Nice. Um, and what is your best trick for overcoming uh, creative block? Keep going. I don't Love care it. if I have to write the word brownie 67,000 times. Sooner or later, I'm going to get tired of the word brownie, brownie. and another word will come out. Mm-hmm. Um, Swiss roll. <laughs> well, that's the thing. is, I think the problem is you get in the idea that you don't want to, so you just don't. Mm-hmm. I uh. don't let myself not. I love so. it. Mm. Um, and I guess to mix it up for our very last question, we used to ask, what is your f- favorite romantic movie? But I think I want to know what your favorite romantic book is. My favorite romantic book. It's going to be a weird one because it's not technically a romance, but it's very, very romantic. And it's actually The Mists of Avalon. Oh, um, I love that book. That yeah. book made me cry a lot for all the best and worst reasons. Oh. So, um, I mean, I've read... Bronte. I've read, you know, I've read mm-hmm. a lot of the classics and everything. But I think for a romantic book, *The Mess of Avalon*, there was an undercurrent of romance through the whole thing, and it just dragged my heart through the mud and over the coals. And by the end mm-hmm. of it, I was like, I never wanted to end. <laughs> I, I love that answer, Thea. Thank you so much for joining us today. You are fantastic. Thank you. Everyone, go out and get *King of Bourbon Street* and *Queen of Dauphine*, which is out in two weeks. Yay! Thank you again for having me. We yeah. loved having you. Thanks, Thea. <laughs> Thank Viva la revolution! Whoa, romance revolution forever. <laughs> Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. You're listening to XOXO After Darkcast. All right, we are back, and oh my God, she was amazing. I love her. I so actually fun. want a, her to be my neighbor. <laughs> yeah, yes. you want to like walk and over her with some dog. bourbon. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. All but hey, anybody who says that New Orleans is their favorite place, I'm in. Right, right. All right, so we're going to add this to our road trip list. Uh-huh. When do we get to just get the RV and drive to visit all of our favorite guests that we have loved meeting oh. on the podcast? That's can it? we get a sponsor for that and do it? Yes, yeah. if anyone would like to sponsor an RV road edit. trip. I could edit it in an RV. Absolutely. We could totally. We totally could. And they have big walls. We could put all sorts of things on the sides. We'll, you know, we will <laughs> we take We could advertise. Out. I'm in. So as Lauren mentioned, and as we just tried out with our wonderful guest, we were feeling like it was time to freshen up our uh, Bernard Pivot True Confessions questions. And uh, to help celebrate them, we thought instead of a traditional game to end our show today, we would try them on each other a little bit. 
So each of us is going to choose our favorite off our new list to ask the other two to answer. And then maybe you guys will, I don't know what you'll conclude about us after all <laughs> the hours and hours of us you've heard. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and start. And I am going to ask, oh, both of Do you, this is a good choice. Answer? Because yeah. I think so, yeah. And because uh, since you are both still editors and mm-hmm. I have had to leave the world behind a little bit, what's your dream project? So this meant for creators probably, but for you guys I'm going to ask, what's your dream project that you would like to acquire? Editing? Yeah. I don't know that I know what it is, but I know what it'll feel like. All right, tell me that. It always feels, when you find a good project, it always feels like you're falling in love. You just, instead of planning your wedding, you're planning your cover conference and your (laughs) launch presentation. So... That's where I'd start, but the the thing that I really dream about, like the thing that is the dream, is I would love a book that resonates with enough readers and therefore is successful enough to see somebody reading it in the wild. Yep. I've never seen someone reading uh, one of my books in the wild, and I would love that. Mm-hmm. And even more than that, I would love to have a book that... I'm, I'm maybe the only person who does this, which defeats the purpose, but that I can identify from the back cover... When I see people reading and I can see the back cover and I know what it is, that to me says that book has really made it. Like I don't even have to see the front. I know what it is from the back. And I guess many people don't do it that way. So it doesn't really matter. Because I would know any of my own books from the back. matters to you. This is, I'm overthinking it. No, but I kind of love it. And that is you, Kate, to overthink. (laughs) Um, And That's real. I love that answer. I think I've seen one of my books read in the wild. Mm Mm-hmm. But it's not coming to mind, so I guess it didn't mean that I much. I think we have a better option of having that happen than most because we interact in the subway. I agree. Yeah, but, I agree. But, but what's your so what's your dream project? Dream project. Well, I when you first said that, and I want to go with the first thing that popped yeah. into my head. I think it was because I just spoke of her, but I would love to work with Laura Kinzel once. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, just once. Yeah, and not because all of what you said, I mm-hmm. want to, but no. I think if I had a dream, it would be to work yeah. with her. Yeah, that's so nice. <laughs> My secret book that I never got and that I was never working in a place where it would make sense, Virus on a Submarine. Oh, <laughs> oh you're a, you're a monster. I want, I want to write the submarine version of Gravity. You are a monster. I want to acquire it. Disgusting. That's the best part you wanna about write, You want to do essentially Poseidon Adventure, but with like zombies. Like people dying of illness. Uh, yeah, I just want them to die. I don't want them to be zombies. No, I mean, I meant but zombies like when you're really sick, not when you're actually Kind of, I want, you know what it really is, is I want the claustrophobia of the submarine movie mm-hmm. and that moment where the brave young sub Hot soldiers guy. have to get sealed into the part that's ah. leaking to save the rest of the yeah, crew. They and they put their hand up against the porthole glass. Yeah. yeah. Like Spock? Yeah. Sure. Well, did you Not see Spock? Oh, well, when <laughs> Spock Lauren just lobbed a, no, a ball in there and Abby chose to just watch Spock, it. I know, did not yet stand that at all. Closes himself in with the nuclear reactor. What are you talking oh, about? And, oh, and, and that's darkness? what I, that's all I could see. Okay. And no, no, the other one. No, like, this is old. No, 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 and William Shatner about. puts his hand oh. there, and it's like you will always be my friend. But yes, that's so exactly good. the yes. feeling. I well, want. it was, that's what she was, she was no, describing it. It's true, I just perfect. didn't know that's you know what, what I was I'm describing. Talking about? Yeah. Thank God. Anyway. Yes. Anywho, I love that answer. <laughs> You're wackadoo. Yeah. <laughs> um, here's my question. We'll that. Um, I, I like this question and I can't wait to hear what you nutballs say. What do you do most often to procrastinate? 
And don't tell me you don't procrastinate. Oh, I do. I definitely do. Um, Gchat. I am on Gchat. Do you know what Gchat is? No. Okay. So Gchat is like. Oh, God. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. Don't even explain it. Our listeners know what Gchat is. Okay. Talk- yeah, don't explain She's it. talking to people over the computer. Okay. It's like I am. Oh, but, you told me right, about that. Do you remember yeah. the game? We are old. Right. <laughs> no. Um, no, but I do. I'm on that all day. And, and some days it's fine because it's just kind of background. And some days I spend all day doing work in between G-chatting. Yeah. You. I play little casual games on my computer. What? I particularly like the Diner Dash series. Ah! It's all time management. So you get your little waitress and she has to serve all the tables and like the orders get complicated and it gets faster and faster. <laughs> that sounds like the most boring thing I've ever heard. It's, uh, it makes me happy. Mm. I think because uh, it's an easy hit of simple achievement without mm. a lot of um, brain stress. It's okay. just finger clicking. Fair enough. Hmm. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, and like you it. have to answer, too, I think. Oh, mine's easy, and you just summed it up. It's it's easy achievement, and you're going to think I'm sick and probably not believe it, but it's the truth, and I'm getting old. I, I just straighten and clean my house. I was going to assume you Pinterested your next redecoration. No, <laughs> you need Pinterest. I Pinterest. know that you don't like social media, but you particularly need I do need feel like Pinterest. Pinterest would be Well, I don't like clutter anymore. Like, it... Yeah, it agitates me. So I like literally and I like my rooms to look a certain way. And I'm not psycho. I just if I see mess, I want to clean it up. Mm-hmm. So it gives me satisfaction to just get things the way they're supposed to look. Okay. And I'll reorg my shells, which is sick and wrong, but that's a conversation that's a for you another just, day. You just sort of Marie Kondo yourself. I do. Yeah. All the time. All right, Kate, what are your questions? Um... You guys chose the best ones, so <laughs> I'm going to go with what do you hope your creative legacy will be? What do you hope that people like remember about you and your work life? Mm. Uh, yeah, I'll go, go just because I, I want to know that my authors knew I love their books mm-hmm. and help them make them great. Like, I love that I help them. Mm-hmm. Like, I love that they're like, Yes, I was broken, and now I'm not. <laughs> and I don't think I write them. I just mean, I love knowing that I help that. I, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. You want them to know that you help them. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That was such a better and more selfless answer than what <laughs> I was going to say. Oh, did you want to have, like, the Da Vinci Code once in your life? Like, is no. that what you were going to go with? I want people to say, she's really funny. Oh, oh if we do say that about I do, you. you do. That's, I just but, want people to be like, that's that not your girl. work. Or is yeah, it? Yeah, it's part of her work. I persona. Think so. I well, feel her like, real life, but also her work. I, I feel was like, like a persona, lot of what I do is, is writing and blogging and oh. scripting and whatever. And so I love all my authors, but clearly I was uh, <laughs> me first on this one. Um, and I no, want I think you want to you want people to remember, remember that you, you brought joy. Yeah, I think that. Yeah, I want them to be like, yeah, no, that girl, they want her really to funny. think she was smart and funny. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the cleverest in the room. That's yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> Don't be. The egomaniac in me loves it. Oh, my God. It's so rare that I get the nerve to come and be, like, hubristic like that. Yeah. And now I'm like, oh, I feel weird about that. No, I kind of love it. I know. There was a lot of and sharing. And that's so you, too. You're like, I take it back. I'm sorry. I'm I didn't mean it. I, I love it. I love it. <laughs> all right. I'm going to stand in my truth. Yes. Stand uh, in truth. St- as we all Wait, stand uh, in our truth. Rem- oh, no. We're no, not Kate done. Kate has to tell oh, us first. Oh, we don't have to do mine. I want to do oh, yours. Okay. I stood um, my truth. You have to get Mine is going to be just as much me as your guys is just you. I want people to remember that I was always doing my best I don't want anyone to ever feel like I've phoned in have to have asked it any sort any the tiniest question even if I'm quick and harried and you know doing a million things 
I want everyone from our bosses to our CEO to any any author, any other editor in-house, um, any other department, anyone I meet, I want them to know that I am always trying. I mean, not always do it. Oh, I'm so trying. Cute. But your A game, always, yeah, always, always. Trying. Trying. Yeah. Uh, you're better than try. You're, you. you're oh, a yeah. do. You're an achieve. I, I like it. Oh God! So I love you both. These are good. <laughs> so we love our new questions. Uh, and on that note, remember, the best conversations happen, happen after, after dark. dark.